anybody that's a little bit sensitive, and if somebody's working in the creative sector, they're probably a little bit more sensitive than the average. Yeah. They're going to be they're going to suffer from imposter syndrome and comparison. One of the problems a lot of creatives have is that they're only as good as their portfolio. Hmm. One of the problems with the creative sector is because you spent so long on a piece of work, by the time it's finished, all you can see are its flaws. And so you never put it out there for other people to see. By the time the client's got it, you've been paid, you're relieved, it's done. You hate that piece of work. Yeah. You can't stand to look at it anymore. And you think... We are live on YouTube. That's so exciting. I've never right. done this before. Yes, this is the unedited live show of Creatorpreneur. And today we have Bob Gentle on the show. Bob, what's up, man? Hey, yeah, I'm really excited to be here. I'm in Scotland. You're in Israel. Israel, right. It's raining here. I'm sure it's not raining it's with raining. you. Oh, man. No, here it's, it, I mean, it hasn't been raining for a long while, so... Yeah, dude. So I'm I'm super excited to have you on the show. Um, just to give a bit of background to anybody who doesn't know you, um, and in general, like to give background of you know how kind of like we know each other uh, because we've known each other for quite a while. Um, and so, to anybody who doesn't know, Bob helps marketers avoid analysis paralysis, as he says. Um, he helps micro business owners and solopreneurs. Um, get into digital marketing and build their audience and achieve their goals online, creating a business that they love. So um, what does this all mean? It means that Bob helps people with small businesses and you know, solopreneurs, people that want to build an online business, actually build an online business and get over the hurdles of a couple of things that some people are you know, um, coming about, which is like some people are introverts. They find it really hard. That's why we're doing this like show right now. Like some people just... I can't get in front of a camera, you know, and I just, that's what we're going to talk about. Some people also don't have time um, because they're just like, they're not the main income of the family or something like that. They're a lot with the kids or, some, or something like that. I mean, they have like their own limitations. So Bob is really good at that. And also Bob helps some, helps some agencies that um, don't have time or don't have like, don't understand or appreciate uh, what, content strategy and like proper digital marketing can do for them. So, um, Bob, happy to have you in the show. And um, I, I told everyone, I'll, I'll also say how we know each other. How do we know each other? Because it was before you, Preneur, right? Yeah, I honestly can't remember now. I think, yeah, I can't remember. I think right. um, I certainly, I met you through an online community somewhere. Yeah, um, through Calvin. Did you meet me through Calvin? So you listened to Pat's episode, and then you, you right? I honestly don't know. I have okay. listened to those things, um, but um, for anybody listening, it's a couple of years now. And I, if anybody who knows me knows that I have a terrible memory, I can't even remember what I had for lunch yesterday. <laughs> and you have a very calm voice. You, he, Bob, <laughs> is always calm like that. So I'm like the kind of like more hyperactive person in Bobby. It's like all a come. facade. This is pure rage in, on the inside. <laughs> Fire on the inside. <laughs> um, so yeah, man, uh, happy to have you. And, and now like, so we, we've known each other for a couple of years. Um, I was on your show as well. And now like we're together in the Upreneur Incubator by Chris Ducker, which is an amazing mastermind. And um, that uh, the host of it is Chris Ducker, who is a very um, successful entrepreneur 
um, and the founder of Upreneur in the UK. So we already met a couple of times in the conference, uh, also then in the incubator uh, lives. And now with Corona times, we're just meeting <laughs> online a lot, but that's awesome to see you every month, man, and, uh, and be in touch. So, um, so yeah, so I, I think let's start by just asking, like, let's do it really quickly. How you, how you rose to what you are today, because you have some backstory with that. Yeah, I think there is a long story, but I'll try and make it really quick. So roll back four years, I was running what in my city was the biggest digital agency. Um, I think we were up about 15 people. And I realized that if I was going to grow the business anymore, I was going to have to become somebody that I didn't want to become. Um, I, I know what I'm comfortable with. I know who I want to be. And if I was going to grow that agency anymore, I was effectively going to have to become a sales manager. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want that. I, I was doing the work for, for the love of doing it. Yeah. And I kind of reflected on it thinking, this is not what I want for the next 15, 20 years of my life. So I looked at how can I restructure that in such a way that I would be happy to continue making my money this way. Yeah. So to to maybe give some context, my business as a digital agency was really broken into two main components. There was the website side of things mm-hmm. and then there was the digital marketing side of things. And the website side of things was costing me 80% of the money to keep going. But it was also generating 80% of the pain in the business. Yeah. And I decided that this part of the business, I I wasn't standing out at all. Mm -hmm. And I looked at why did I get into this business? Why have I got this this millstone around my neck, which was the website side of that business? And I looked back, well, why did I get into this whole place in the beginning? And it was because I wanted to serve the business owner Mm -hmm. and and connect them with what was possible online. Because back in... 1998 when I first got into this business I thought I understand all this I know what I'm doing here and I have something of value that I can bring to businesses but back then if people said okay I I want to go online the only thing you could offer them was a website Mm -hmm. and so we just repetition 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 grew a business around that and then one day I'm looking around thinking the website's just such a tiny slice of what you can be doing online now, and yet my entire day is occupied by this crap. Um, so I very quickly decided, okay, the whole website side of the business, again, anybody that's listening will understand this. A website business has fixed costs and very variable precarious profit. So I decided I needed to control that. So I made all the designers and developers contractors or freelancers so that I could have a fixed price and a fixed cost. But as soon as I did that, I realized, well, if I don't bring in that work, I don't need to pay for that work because I'm only bringing the work in in order to be able to pay for it. Well, you're bringing it into profit as well. Well, but the profit was very, very... Marginal? Marginal and risky. Uh-huh. And I had this whole digital marketing side of the things, which was entirely recurring revenue. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you've had the strength in, in that area. Yeah. And I'm just saying, like, I'm, I'm sorry to, for cutting you off. I'm just saying, like, a lot of people are listening right now. 
are website designers and builders. Like that's like their business. And they're like, oh my God, I got to leave this business. No. So I'm just saying like, wait, people don't no. leave your business. If this is your strong suit, right? Like, but yes. <laughs> don't leave yeah. this business because it's a good business, but you need to be able to control it. And the yeah. problem that I had was just applying the 80, 20 rule to my business, 80% yeah. of the trouble coming from 20% of the profit. Definitely. Um, nice. And the 80-20 rule is really, really important. You should always revisit your business in applying this. Right. And I, in my application, I had the digital marketing business was blossoming and I needed to be able to put my attention into this. And so within about three months, I had no more website business. I was focusing all my efforts on nice. the digital marketing stuff. Um, was, when was that? That was probably two years ago. Two years ago. Cool. And I was doing that. And that was the best decision I have ever made. And I'm not saying everyone should make that decision. Um, but it gave me the freedom to grow that part of the business, which mm -hmm. for me was where the joy was. Mm -hmm. Because I was in websites by default. Um, it wasn't the part of the business that I really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. um, so... I very quickly grew that digital marketing business quite well. But again, came to the point where, well, I'm not really adding anything unique here. Um, I'm simply transacting for the sake of transacting. And I found a trend with the clients that I was working with that they would hire me because they wanted me to come and take away this digital marketing pain. And they would stay with me for a little while because I would fix the short-term problems and f yeah. put out all the fires. But I would be asking them to do things that were personally quite challenging, i.e. things like, well, if you want your Facebook ads to really work, you're going to need to do a video. You're going to need to appear in them because people want to buy from people. Right. And you're going to need to build your personal brand. I can only post so much for you. Right. Um, and again, we were coming up a lot of the time with psychological barriers, not technical barriers. Mm -hmm. So I, I realized I actually have an area here that I want to niche into, which is providing this technical support and coaching mm -hmm. hybrid. So that's really my main area of focus now is I work with three types of business. I work in the corporate space with some big companies and I work in the sort of small and medium sized business. Uh, and I work with micro businesses yeah. delivering effectively the same thing, which is filling this hybrid coaching and technical support role because people know they, they need to know what to do, yeah. but they also need to know yeah, how to do it. And they're going to need the support to do it because a lot of the time it's mentally difficult because a lot of business owners, whether you're in the creative sector or you're in a very technical sector, they're, they're business owners because they enjoy what they're doing, not because they like showing off. They yeah. don't love the camera. I hated the camera to begin with, but I realized if I was going to fulfill my mission. I needed to get over that. Um, and it's really only in the last year that I started working with the groups of micro business owners that they've really, I work with them in groups of up to eight mm -hmm. and we're working very intensively on helping them develop their own digital marketing plans. And what they do for me is they hold up a mirror that I can't avoid. If I'm telling them that they need to do this, 
yeah. they're feeding it right back to me. Well, what are you doing? Bob, you should I, do it too. <laughs> yeah. So I've had to do all the things in the last year that I probably avoided for the last three years. Um, mm. And it's been fantastic. And I've had to develop some really specific strategies, specifically for introverts, because most of my clients are introverts because they're kind of drawn to me because we have an affinity. Yeah. Um, I'm not just an introvert. I'm a very shy introvert. Um, there's this distinct difference there. Um, That's pretty, by the way, it's pretty funny that you're an introvert, like a shy person, because you were in the military, right? Yeah, I think probably <laughs> I was I was in the reservists. It was Bob, quite different Bob, from Bob is a, it's still, Bob is a badass. <laughs> you, you shot stuff and you 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 know you you rescued people and, and stuff and you know so you yeah. uh you've done some things in your life um which pulled you out of your comfort zone like a lot out of your comfort zone probably well i don't know if we spoke about this but i spent 10 years in search and rescue and mm -hmm. that was that was like full-time um so yeah. the, the military stuff that was like for three years search and rescue is mm -hmm. 10 years. So I'm quite comfortable doing really scary things. Yeah. And I thought, why am I being such a pussy with video? <laughs> um, and I had to break it down. Well, how do you train somebody to handle hanging out of a helicopter or going to collect a body? These are terrifying uh, things for most people. And yeah. people, well, you do it through <laughs> gradual assimilation. That I can do, no problem. <laughs> But you, when you have somebody new in your team, yeah. you don't let them jump into doing some really dangerous things, but you gradually introduce them to it over a period of time. Yeah. Baby steps. Uh, yeah. Why am I thinking I need to jump straight into doing YouTube? Or I'm on live on YouTube right now. I've never done this before to anybody that's watching because I have avoided it. But you gradually, gradually build these muscles. The comfort zone gradually expands. Comfort zones are elastic. But if you pull elastic too hard and you haven't warmed it up, it snaps. So applying these same things to every area, wherever you experience discomfort, will allow you to gradually reduce that discomfort and become um, comfortable with it. Yeah, uh, It's like, I, I can't remember the analogy, but how do you, yeah, why doesn't a frog jump out of boiling water as it's gradually warming up? It's because right. it's gradually yeah. warmer. That's completely irrelevant. Um, <laughs> But no, I think I think from. it's great. Yeah, definitely. And um, and so yeah, <clears throat> I think that this is a lot of the people watching right now are trying to build their audience, and um, it's something that I also teach. I teach my community how to build their audience and how to um, how to do <clears throat> like how to grow their own brand, right? Whether mm -hmm. they want to sell their services as freelancers, as consultants, or the agencies that they own, or um, they just like want to sell online courses one day, they need to build a personal brand and audience and they need to get in front of camera and create content. And the whiplash I'm getting back is, you know, all these things like, oh, I'm an introvert. Like I find it really hard to be in front of camera or um, I don't have time like to do that um, or, or who am I to write something? You know, I'm just nobody like or I'm not good enough. You know, who would listen to me? So I bet you're getting those exact things as well. Um, right. Every day. Um, and again, for all of these things, there are strategies. So, so talk to me about those strategies. Let's let's hear it. Well, pick one. Um, introvert. 
Because that was your your main problem, right? Okay. As a business owner, you have a job to do. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the big problems most people have as introverts is crossing those thresholds towards becoming visible mm. are difficult and because they're difficult you need to find the motivation um, so if you don't have a strong enough why that's where you're going to need to start mm. you need to know yeah. why you're doing it so there, you have need a strong to, enough why yeah you need to have very clear goals but once you have that very clear goal and you understand what's possible and a lot of people underestimate what they can achieve over a long period of time. Most people overestimate what they can achieve in a short period of time, but completely underestimate what they can achieve in a long period of time. So have a very big goal for what you want your business to do in the future. And once you've established that, you can then break down, well, what needs to happen in order for me to get there? And once you know mm -hmm. what that is, the steps that you have to take are much smaller, much more manageable. So that's one thing, a very clear why. Mm -hmm. The next thing is a lot of people don't understand. They get so hung up on the one piece of content that they don't understand the, the power of a body of work. So one of the things I often explain to clients when they're talking about social media posts is they'll say, well, this isn't a very good social media post, so I'm not going to put it out. You think, okay, forget about the individual posts. Yeah. Think of them as a stitch in a tapestry. And what's the tapestry saying over a period of time? What's the big picture that you're presenting rather than the individual brushstrokes or stitches? Right. So don't hyper-focus on individual posts, but think... Okay, A, you need to show up and you need to creep, se keep sending signals over time. And yeah. over time, those signals start to create a message. Yeah. I mean, I, I, and, and going back to strong enough why for a second, I mean, like the, the thing about um, the thing about like the message in the body of work, I think it's solid. I think people will get that and will not argue. The why how do you get people to find their why? Because I think like a lot of people are now wondering, oh, I need a strong enough why. I don't know, what's my why? I'm not feeling it. You know, what's the why? Well, there are, there are different, different people are motivated by different things. Mm -hmm. So I, for example, when I was in school, I could not be, I didn't understand what it was for. And then when we was coming up to time to leave school, I was thinking, I don't understand what life is for. I just don't, what, what, is, the, what is the point of all of this? I think <laughs> you go to work to make money so you can live. This doesn't make sense. <laughs> and for a long time, I, I, and I look back on my life and I think service for me has been a very big feature in my life that I hadn't really understood. But for the first 10 years of my life, as an adult, I did voluntary work full time. And then for my entire, entire working career, when I was working for money, I had voluntary work going in the background. So the search and rescue stuff. When I was doing the army reservist, that was as a volunteer. And even now there's service stuff. For me, actually being able to serve 
matters. There's a very big why in legacy and impact. Mm -hmm. Vocation matters for me. Now, for other people, that's that's not where their why is going to come from. Their why is going to come from financial gain. It's going to come from family. It's going to come from what their parents think of them. Guess what you need to decide for yourself is what will get you up in the morning with a big smile on your face and think, I am really happy to be doing this. And if your job isn't doing that for you, you're probably in the wrong business. Um, so i just stopping you right here. So what I get from that is, oh, I would love being a designer, just designing. I don't want to create content. Well, that's, that's what I want to do. I just want to be a good designer. I want just people to come and like clients to show up out of nowhere, out of my ass. Like that's what I want, you know? I, want... Well, I think if you're a, a small agency or a solo designer, I guess you have to apply the 80-20 rule to your business. And you, you've heard of Russell Brunson. Of course. And one of the things that he's written in his books, anybody that looks up Russell Brunson isn't familiar with him, what you will find online is somebody that once you get into his net of marketing, you'll never get out. Yeah. And he's quite a, he's a, he's a, he's not for everybody, but he's written some really good books. And one of the things that he wrote, I may have got this wrong. It might be Gary Vaynerchuk actually, was that every business should be 80% whatever it is they do for money and 20% media company. This is a recipe for success and it doesn't really matter whether you're a veterinary or a designer or a construction company that 20 percent media company you can't delegate that you can't subcontract it you have to do it and by media company i'm not talking marketing i'm talking you need to become the tv presenter of your own business nice or, or, or the blogger so if you want to be a designer and you want to be great and you want to have the best clients take it as part of your job Part of your job as a designer is to communicate what you do, communicate your value. Because if you don't do it, nobody's going to do that for you. Yeah. Yeah. You'll just be a great designer with crappy clients. Yeah. Uh, and lots of people who don't know about you. It's nobody's job to make you discoverable. Yeah. You have to do that. Yeah. Definitely. And I'm sorry for the background noise, everybody. I know it's a YouTube live. <laughs> <laughs> like, Everyone's allowed um, in life. Yes, um, that's what you have when you get uh, kids in the house. But, um, so in terms of, um, so I, I think that was a great thing that you just said, which I actually haven't said to my people when I get that whiplash of like, oh, I don't have time, you know, I want to do my creative work and I don't, you know. Um, but it's like, yeah, you have to be 80%, at least 20%, at least 20% media company. If, if you were to be 50% media company, you'd probably even do more revenue. Like that would actually pay off way more than you think. But yeah, at least 20%, like don't yeah. go below that. Makes I sense. have a client that's a, a small agency and they started their own YouTube channel. And I mean, they've only been doing this for about three months, but they're consistent. Yeah. And because they're designers, they have a really strong aesthetic. Mm -hmm. And... It means everything they do is sharp and polished and they're a couple so they have great nice. rapport and they're killing it but it's not nice. taking them very much time it's just short five minute videos once a week how how much time is that going to take yeah probably in the beginning more time than you would think 
But very quickly, you build up your routines and your competencies. And the thing with YouTube content in particular, but YouTube podcast or blog, is their evergreen legacy content. Mm -hmm. I was speaking to a designer um, a couple of weeks ago because I knew he had a big YouTube channel. And I asked him, how long were you doing YouTube channel before you actually felt that it made a difference in your business? And he said it was a couple of years, hmm. which I thought, ooh, that's, that's a big investment. And I asked him, well, okay, how much of your revenue is it responsible for now in terms of the clients that come to you? And he said, it's completely, all my clients come through YouTube now. Right. Who is um, that, by the way? It's a guy called Colin Gray. Colin, Colin Gray. Gray? Okay. So he's, nice. he's going to be on my podcast on Monday. Nice. Okay, cool. But I know several designers for whom exactly the same trust story is true. Um, you'll know Philip Van Dusen. Mm -hmm. Again, the majority of his work is coming through YouTube because he made that investment a long time ago. Right. But yeah, I mean, it's everybody I know. Everybody. Like, I, I, I'm with you. Like, by the way, me as well, like Pixel Perfect, my Israeli blog, all my clients came through like that. And even if they, I had some clients from before I launched Pixel Perfect, when I launched Pixel Perfect, it was the way to follow me and keep in touch. And then I got a client after six years, more, 10 years, 10 years of not working together. And then we started working together. Uh, again, it was because he was following me for like eight years on Pixel Perfect. And he paid me more than any other client ever. Like it was just, it's just worth it, right? It's just, it yeah. I, I know another guy, he runs a floor cleaning company in Colorado. Mm -hmm just in a small town and he, his business now is lead generation for floor cleaning companies, nice. but he used to run a floor cleaning company yeah. and he said he was doing YouTube for a couple of years and now again, all his business is coming through YouTube and there are two YouTube videos he can point at and say those two YouTube videos make me a million dollars a year. Wow. So let, let's, let's stop right here. If, if, if you, if, if it's okay to switch to talking about YouTube growth for a second. Okay. Or, or do you want to keep talking about that? You want to talk more about YouTube growth? Or? I'm saying, I was saying like, let's, let's, we can switch the topic to now because we kind of like talked about like, you know, getting beyond the point of like okay. the barriers of making content, but let's talk about YouTube specifically because I know you got into YouTube just recently and, yeah. um, right. And you have, um, it's really recent, like it's like a month, two months. Oh, it's it's yeah. I think it's like a month and a half. It's very a month new. and a half, right? And uh, and so you've been digging into how to grow the YouTube channel as well. And um, I've been also like just investing in YouTube recently. Um, and I I also grew uh, my YouTube channel. So let's talk about let's talk about growing a YouTube channel. Um, and by the way, just to say to everybody, we know we are small YouTube channel or very small i know but it's just because we're, we're small and new we've been really geeking out on youtube growth because we want to grow our channels so um so yeah bob let me know what you what you got in store what, what do you find out well for me i honestly haven't focused too much on youtube growth because it's so new mm -hmm. i've been more focusing on building out some foundational content mm, <clears throat> because i think that's important yeah but for me as well and i think this is important for anybody that's listening or watching people watch yeah um i i wouldn't do youtube for youtube's sake for me i have a very specific 
um, perspective on a content strategy of which YouTube's a part. So for me, whenever I'm looking at a content strategy, it's a little bit like, like making an investment that you have short-term investments, medium-term investments and long-term investments. Short-term investments have terrible interest rates. So you start doing them today, they'll start working tomorrow. But if you stop doing them tomorrow, they'll stop. And that's really things like ads. Then the medium-term investments are social media, social networking. If you start doing them today, you might get lucky. You might win a client today, but it'll build up over a period of months. Whereas YouTube for me is part of a long-term investment portfolio. So I know I'm starting today and I'm not expecting results today. But I know, because I know what I know, that it will pay off as a long-term investment with massive compound interest. So I'm not too focused on short-term gain. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm thinking like um, the way that you just described it, like short-term investments, medium-term investments, and uh, long-term investments, I think it goes not only to like ads, socials, and YouTube. I think it goes for, let's say, whatever is paid, um or yeah i mean paid and not content and then short-term content short sorry short form content which is like you know socials and long form content which is right now we're talking about youtube but it's also a podcast it's also right like a blog yeah that's like the long term long form content yeah which is so i'm very focused on the long-term plays at the moment so i have youtube podcast and a blog going right um nice but youtube growth i mean my focus right now has just been showing up being fairly consistent mm -hmm. but also sharing it pretty much everywhere i can i haven't really been more um structured or strategic than that nice so i'm, and, I'm keen to hear what you're doing yeah but first of all like let me ask you for a second so you're doing the you said you you invested in the foundational piece of the content but what is for you the like what what is it what do you mean you you invest in like foundation content well that that if people arrive in my platform that there is a body of work there that it's i don't mm -hmm. i don't want to really be looking at channel growth and this isn't yeah. this is purely from a point of i haven't really looked at the subject of youtube oh, channel it. growth yet okay got it i'm more got concerned it. that when i do start focusing on trying to grow the platform that people are arriving and there's some things to enjoy mm mm -hmm. Yeah. Because so I have like 15 videos. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I get it. I get it. Um, so how do you find out the topics then? Um, that is an area I don't really struggle with. Um, like any creative, I have processes that I go through for coming up with topic ideas. Mm. I know my avatar quite well. Yeah. Um, got it I know so it's because you know your avatar so you think about the topics okay yeah yeah and i i have a process for for yeah i i do have a process do you want to know my process yeah okay so anybody that says to me i can never think of what to write about this is the process to fix it uh, whether it's video social media content doesn't matter mm -hmm. so the way i get people to develop their content strategy not the strategy, but what are they going to talk about? The first thing they, I ask them to do is, okay, we need to address some topics. So let's 
imagine you're going to have 15 or 20 buckets and each of these buckets has a label on the front of a topic. So for me, it might be tools, it might be conversion strategies, it might be design triggers, it might be one of a range of things. So that's one job is to come up with a range of topics and the, and the buckets. And then the next job is let's throw some ideas into these buckets. We're not taking action on them at all. We're just throwing ideas into the buckets. Mm -hmm. And that's another layer of creative work. And that's all we need to do at this point. So then I have some time on a Thursday morning to produce some content. I no longer have the problem of what am I going to write about? I just pick an idea out of the bucket and I execute on that. Got it. And so you put time in the schedule. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Everything I do is scheduled. If I didn't have a schedule, I would, I would achieve nothing. Yeah. I mean, most creatives don't schedule shit. <laughs> you know, um, most of them, I guess. You're very organized. If you were to ask my wife, she would dispute that. But what I have definitely found is that any plan is better than no plan. Right. Any schedule is better than no schedule. Yeah. Um, so I have a schedule where I know what I'm doing every morning when mm -hmm. I wake up. I usually have a couple of hours before breakfast that I do non-client work, creative work. Um, and then after breakfast, most of my day is scheduled ahead of time with client, client time being blocked in there alongside other things. Yeah. So the whole day is time blocked in advance. Yeah. Nice. And at least 60% of my week is template driven. So I know every Thursday afternoon I'm doing podcast interviews. And mm -hmm. Every Thursday morning I'm doing video shoots. That doesn't change. And what about if Thursday morning you get a call from a client that says, ah, we need to fix this. Or I don't know, like you get something like in your way. It happens. So... If you can imagine my schedule like a little bit, you know, these little square children's toys you get with all the square pieces and you have to shuffle them around with your thumbs. Yeah. So you have like one extra spot. Yes. So <laughs> I have more, I have probably a few of those every week, just spots that allow me to be flexible. Got it. Yeah. All right. Cool. Cool. But nice. like I said, a plan is only a plan. As long as if you have a plan and you achieve 60%, you're still doing better than a plan. Right. Because it's still in no the plan. direction of what you want. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, I, for me, time management has been an issue. So it's definitely not something I can say I'm really good at. Um, I just am very productive. So I achieve a lot, but I'm not, yeah, not scheduled yeah. so much. I th yeah. I mean, I know you do better than you probably take credit for. Um, but yeah, you with a schedule would be like a nuclear weapon. <laughs> it might be might be Tamar Tamar keeps saying that from the Upreneur Incubator he's like Sagi you schedule man um, yeah, yeah so anyways um, yeah it's another whole other show to talk about um, we have very limited time left so my question to you, my question to you is like do you want to go back and talk about um, about the you know the, the pains of creating content and building the personal brand or and building an audience or do you want to talk about maybe more growth and stuff like that and how do you actually like okay we've passed that let's talk about now creating the content putting a plan in place and starting to to do that i think given your creative audience i think one of the biggest issues that they're going to have is comparison 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably an important place to go because anybody that's a little bit sensitive, and if somebody's working in the creative sector, they're probably a little bit more sensitive than the average. Yeah. They're going to be, they're going to suffer from imposter syndrome and comparison. Um, and one of the problems a lot of creatives have is that they're only as good as their portfolio. And one of the problems with the creative sector is because you spent so long on a piece of work, by the time it's finished, all you can see are its flaws. And so you never put it out there for other people to see. By the time the client's got it, you've been paid, you're relieved, it's done. You hate that piece of work. You can't stand to look at it anymore. And you think everybody else is going to feel the same about it. So accept and understand, make that conscious that that's just bullshit. That's not the case. It's a great looking piece of work. And a similar issue that they're going to have is when they start looking at video content or blog content, they're immediately going to be faced with, well, who the hell am I to have an opinion? And this has all been said before, so why would I come out and say this? Somebody said to me, when I said that to them is, well, your people want to hear it from you. And that sounds really simple, but it really struck home for me that yeah there are my people and my people do want to hear it from me another thing that Mm -hmm. once it became conscious for me was quite liberating is we never really compare ourselves with the people who are maybe just slightly behind us we'll only ever compare ourselves to those people that we aspire to become um, or those people who are our role models so if comparison is an issue for you, it's important to get perspective on that and look at, is this rational, really? My job is to be visible. My job is to be visible, not to my peers and to my competitors, but it's to be visible for the person who needs the value I have. My job is to connect the value that I have with the person that needs that value, not with the other person that wants to compete with me. Right. You're there for your potential customer, not for your competitors. Right. And a lot of people in the creative sector, they're so worried about what their competitors might think that they they're just paralyzed by that. Your competitors aren't yeah. going to pay you. Yeah. They're not going to hire you. Yeah. Um, so if you spend your life worrying about what your competitors think, you'll achieve very little. Right. Right. And understand this that your competitors are having exactly the same problem. So if you overcome it, right there is a superpower. Um, I see some of the biggest agencies actually putting out virtually no content for the same reason that the freelance illustrator is putting out no content. It's because yeah. they're so anxious about what the peers think right. that they're paralyzed. Yeah, I mean, and I think it's, yeah, like people are trying to appreciate growth mindsets more, meaning like if you come across a challenge, then, you know, accept it as a way yeah. to learn and improve. Um, but not enough people know about the open versus closed mindset. And the open versus closed means um, the more you're an expert, the more you kind of close because you, see, you think you know everything and then you're not willing to get feedback. So just yeah. accept that you don't know anything and you put out content about it. And if you get feedback, great, just enjoy the feedback, not, you know, not defend against it, but gracefully, you know, um, be happy to get it, you know, yeah. so. 
something I started doing recently, which I mean, I've only been doing it for a couple of weeks now, but everybody's familiar with journaling. I think there's a universal mm. acceptance that keeping yeah. a journal is probably a good idea. Yeah. And it struck me one day that wouldn't it be a good idea to start keeping a record of all the things that trigger fear? Mm. And I started to do it and it really was astounding because what capturing that and documenting it does is it makes you conscious of it. Mm. And once you're conscious right. of something, it's quite easy to deal with it. Yeah. But it's astonishing how many things trigger fear that are that are holding you back. And when yeah. you look at them, they trigger fear for no reason. Right. Um, the limiting beliefs that yeah. we have, right, about ourselves. And the thing is this, like, it's, it's, it's something, it's an interesting topic. We can geek out on it for hours, but it's like the neurons in your head are firing and wiring. Do you know Dr. Joe Dispenza? I do not. Oh, and you have to read his books. You love it. You love it. Yes. Um, read You Are the Placebo by Dr. Joe Dispenza. And the scientific thing is like our neural networks, neural networks in your mind, like whenever we have a thought, it's neural networks that are de developing from every one of our thoughts. And most thoughts we have every day, the same kind of thoughts. Every time we have the thoughts, the neural network just gets stronger, more connections are made. They just expand. It's like cancer for good or bad. So if we have bad negative thoughts, those expand. If we have good thoughts, those expand. Mm -hmm. But mostly as coming up as, you know, kids even, we start like our, getting our our dreams chopped, you know, and kind of like the negative thoughts arise. They don't stop. They just start there. And most of us are carrying the same thoughts as from when we were kids, mm. just because it's freaking neural networks. It's just a neural network in our head. The only thing about a neural network is there's a way to dispose the negative ones and get over them with positive ones. But we don't know that. So now, you know, you know, it's like uh, now it's, it's possible. I, yeah, and I think that kind of brings me back to people need to understand their why. And once they do understand, once they can create some kind of shiny vision that motivates them, that can then motivate them to do the work to rewire the brain that will allow them to then achieve it. It's nice. most people are so stuck in a routine that yeah it's, it's a difficult thing to articulate but i, I agree with you 100 percent. and i think that kind of like it sums up everything we've been talking about like on the episode um i think it's a great way to end it i mean people have a strong why have a clear vision and understand that that will help you get over your limiting beliefs crush it create new neural networks and have good thoughts and, and journaling is a great tip Thank you, Bob. I'm actually, I should try that. Um, next week, I'm going for a seven-day Vipassana. I'm out for seven days. Oh. Just, like in north of Israel, just meditating and being quiet. It's going to be crazy. I, I'm, I'm going, I might be coming back and understanding I'm not, I don't want to live my life or something. Like the same way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be a chef from now on. That's no, <laughs> trust me. This was, uh, when I left school, I started training as a chef for about six months hell on earth oh yeah, yeah. you yeah. don't want to go there it's even it's even hell because it's hot in the kitchen anyways <laughs> <laughs> bob thank you so much bro um where can where, where can we find you um my website is amplifyme.agency and you'll find me on youtube as just search bob gentle there's only one other right. but he's dead now and he painted all the backgrounds for scooby-doo no really yeah no way oh my god so 
Uh, everybody, stop right now. Pause. Go to YouTube for a second and please uh, subscribe to Bob, Bob Gentle on YouTube. Not so hard. You have a very great name. I'm jealous of your name, Bob Gentle. It's so easy to just like even pronounce right out. It's like Sagi Schreiber. Go figure that out. Even out well, I'm it. jealous of your sunshine. Sunshine. <laughs> yeah, dude. I hope it's, that it's sunshine June. will come to Scotland. Like <laughs> oh, man, definitely. Come to Israel. Come to Israel. Be on me. Um, so, Bob, thank you so much. Appreciate you, man. And uh, thank you for everything. Oh, thank you. I had great fun. Thank you so much for watching. And if you like what you just saw, please consider subscribing down below and also clicking the notifications button. Subscriptions go a long way. It's your way of saying thank you. I want to hear more from you. So I uh, would love to see you here subscribe and, and for me to be able to reach you with uh, other videos that I post here. Besides that, I would love to invite you to the community over on Facebook. It's the Creatorpreneurs community. So just go over to Facebook and search for Creatorpreneurs. I'll also link it here down in the show notes. And one last thing, I have a weekly newsletter coming out with books that I read and I recommend, with podcasts that I listen to, and with a personal note sharing my insights uh, for other creatives in order to build their business as a lifestyle business and uh, build their tribe. So if you are interested in that, you can also head on to the link in the show notes where you can subscribe to the weekly newsletter. Um, that's how I came up. I love newsletters. So I wish you tons of success with your journey and hope to see you again in the next video. Cheers.